The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. What I'd like to talk about um, this morning, and I'm hoping that we all can talk about, and I will keep my eye on this, is I listened... uh, I listened to uh, Andrea's uh, last talk here, and she sounds like she's doing a sort of a series on mindfulness. And um, so I thought about that. I thought about mindfulness, which is the practice uh, that we're all training in, aspiring to, to, to be more mindful. And uh, I thought about... Um, uh, where I am not necessarily so mindful. What are the areas that I'm not so mindful? And, and something that I've been practicing with a lot and thinking, and, and thinking about over, you know, over time much more intentionally um, is, and I, and I can imagine that most everyone here can relate, is uh, the area of uh, challenging for mindfulness is in my speech, talking opening my mouth and putting out those words. Um, and uh, that just seems to be so hard. Uh, and, and why is that? I wonder why is that? And, um, and I, had a, uh, I have a good friend, and she's looking at um, her practice uh, for the past year is looking at judgments, how she judges. And we were talking uh, yesterday, a couple days ago maybe, and... Uh, she said that uh, she's really she's really looking at, at ju- you know using t- judging in her speech. So um, and she said we're very close friends. And she said, but somehow she thinks that uh, with me, her very close friend, somehow that's exempt. That when we're talking together, we work together as well. It's okay to be to use um, speech that's 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 not wise. That's not harmonious. That's not. Um, that's not that's not kind and helpful. The, the Buddha teaches uh, uh, the wise speech being kind and helpful and timely and true, and um, and that somehow when she and I talk together, she does not have to practice that. It's okay because we're such close friends. You know, we're like buddies, and um, and she said that when um, when she. Uh, does not practice wise speech, kind speech, right speech, that um, she feels that somehow she's not trusting in the Dharma. She's not trusting in the tenets of wise speech when she does that. Um, She's not trusting that the Buddha's teachings can hold her and bring her to to freedom, to peace. And uh, I thought, wow, that's kind of a strong statement. Because I was thinking, what? Well, you know, speech is so hard, and and um, I suggested to her that, uh, well, they're deeply deeply ingrained habit patterns. The way that we speak, and and um, is it really about not trusting the, the the Dharma, the Buddhist teachings? But it's just that a forgetfulness. You know, I forget to use wise speech, and yet here we are on this path, and. Um, committed to, really committed to looking deeply into myself and my, my, um, the ways that I escape, the ways that I um, veer off the path, the, way that, the ways that I um, uh, don't, don't um, 
don't practice uh, the, um, in this case, wise speech. And wise speech uh, comes up in um, uh, the Buddhist teachings. I'm, I'm talking about it specifically here in regards to the Eightfold Path, or most of you kind of familiar with the Eightfold Path, the Buddhist teachings. Um, and so uh, wise speech uh, is a... Um, it's part of the. Uh, it's also. It's part of the teachings of the. It's part of the teachings of the path of. It's called in, in the Pali word a sila, and it's really. It's uh, sila is can be translated into ethical ethics or morality, ethical conduct, and um, and the uh, the the ethics part of of the eightfold path is made up of wise speech, wise action, uh, and wise livelihood. And uh, and someone talked about this book. It's, it is a great book, the, the Eightfold Path. I heard you say uh, it's a book by Bhikkhu Bodhi, who, which looks deeply into the Eightfold Path. He's a Buddhist scholar. Um, he's a monk, and um, great book. Really clear teachings on the Eightfold Path. So so the ethical the ethical um, conduct part of the Eightfold Path, uh, the sila is the wise speech, the wise livelihood, and the wise action. And, um, uh, and he talks about this, this sila um, in the teachings, in these teachings of the, the, the Bhikkhu Bodhi is a, is a Theravadan teacher. Uh, gosh, I don't want to get into too much language, that, but the Theravadan is, um, is the teachings of the elder. It's the teachings that come, the, the oldest teachings of the Buddha. And um, so it's often called the direct teachings of the Buddha. And so, so in those teachings, really looking at um, the many layers of sila, of ethical conduct, and ethical conduct being, um, uh, you know, it's really good when we, when we practice uh, ethics in sila. We can get along our, our, in society much more harmoniously. It's a way of like, you know, if we're driving and we don't stop at a red light, we can hit someone or get hurt. So, so uh, it's it's good. It's a good for all to do that. Uh, another another layer of of um, practicing sila is that um, you know when we are practicing wise speech, uh, or we're living in the world in an ethical way then uh, our hearts feel pure and our mind isn't filled with the ways that, um, that we're uh, either you know, not telling the truth, for example. Uh, and so we feel better. You know? we're not, we're not, we don't have guilt, we don't have blame, we don't have shame as much. And then a, another layer of it is uh, for the teachings of, uh, on the Theravadan path particularly, is that uh, is that it? It's really a, a form. Practicing sila is a form of purification, so mental purification. That when we are practicing in that way, our minds and our heart become clearer. The Buddha talked about living um, the bliss of the blameless life. So when we that this and it really it can be very blissful to have that that 
purity. I, you know, I, I hesitate to use that word, but nevertheless, why not? To ha- just have that, that openness of, of, of knowing that we're living in the world in a, in a skillful way that is, as much as possible, not harming ourselves or others. And so uh, when, and particularly on the Eightfold Path, the sila is, uh, a, is a part of the path that when we live, when we live a pure, um, healthier, ethical life, that it opens the way for, um, in going back into the Eightfold Path, opens the way for samadhi, um, which is the next part of the path, which is the concentration, the meditation, which then opens the door into insight, which is to seeing deeply into um, the, the, the Buddhist teachings, into the Dharma, into our self, and, and gives us the opportunity to perhaps get free, uh, to, to, um, to have some peace that is not, peace and happiness that is not dependent on, um, on this and that, the world. So, uh, so anyway, <laughs> back to wise speech. I want to I want to read a little bit about, um, or at least refer to the book that uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi's books on um, right speech, wise speech, and he talks about uh, he talks about wise speech, the Buddhist teachings of wise speech, going into four components, and. Uh, I won't bring in the precepts, but do you, you all familiar with the five precepts? So why speech being one of the precepts. Uh, and, and often it's translated to, when you, to, uh, to why speech being uh, abstaining from false speech, not lying, to keep it simple. And so that's one of the uh, facets of why speech is, is not lying. And once again, the bliss of the blameless life. Boy, you know, lying... Um, Is is like we have to remember that we that what what have we said you know on the, in the big sort of gross picture lying can cause so much harm, but even even it can be helpful to really look at just like that little bit of exaggeration, you know I mean it's all of this all of this can be held lightly in a way, but really we can get very specific all the little ways that we may we may or I'm talking about myself that I can exaggerate. Um, is can be some false speech, and then uh, <laughs> Bhikkhu Bodhi says, um, talking about lying. So the process repeats itself. The lies stretch and multiply and connect until they lock us in a cage of falsehoods, falsehoods from which it is difficult to escape. I don't know about you, but I've had those experiences in my life. You know, it can be very painful. And talk about really crowding the mind and the heart. Uh, it's a, you know, I lose the connection with myself and my life when, I've, when I lived my life that way. It says, therefore, the Buddha concluded, one should not speak a deliberate lie even in jest. And it also talks about... Um, uh, Really, looking at um, you know lying lying in that way, but 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 most importantly, looking inside ourselves uh, and really living in accord with the truth uh, at all times. Bhikkhu Bodhi says, to realize truth, our whole being has to be brought into accord with actuality, with things as they are. 
which requires that in communications with others we respect things as they are by speaking the truth. Truthful speech establishes a correspondence between our own inner being and the real nature of phenomena. Thus much more than an ethical principle, devotion to truthful speech is a matter of taking our stand on reality rather than illusion on the truth grasped by wisdom rather than the fantasies woven by desire. So, so uh, when, I, when I was giving a little instruction in the meditation, that's, that's part of that too, is just coming back to yourself in, in, you know, in my own mind, coming back and saying, oh, this is truth, like, I can, my mind can just run off, and no one's listening, but, but who am I harming, Right? But yet my mind can just run off and, 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 and rationalize something and, and tell myself stories. And uh, I'm not living in accord with truth at that point. And, you know, that can be a real slippery slope to my actions, how I live in the world. So another facet of uh, wise speech is abstaining from slanderous speech and slander uh, interesting word and uh, well I'll tell you what the other two are then I'll come back to that the other one is abstaining from harsh speech and abstaining from idle chatter <laughs> wow <laughs> and, and Bhikkhu Bodhi talks about slander speech being, being one of the most serious moral transgressions and uh, and this comes from a sutta. Uh, well, this this doesn't. This I'll read this from Bhikkhu Bodhi. Um, it's a speech that's intended to create em, enmity and division, um, and to alienate one person from another. So, uh, so it's we can use slander speech to um, to make ourselves look good. <coughs> And to feel to feel good to feel good about about ourselves or in it, or when I was talking about my friend, um, in a way we were talking about a work situation and how um, there's a there's a perception that we're actually connecting with each other and feeling connected and yes we both agree about this this person and. Um, and what we're saying about that person, there may be some truth to it. There may be some truth. But really, we are uh, trying to shore up our own um, sense of being right and, um, and being okay with, with the, way, the way that things are. And we're doing that at the expense of using the speech that is, that is really harmful and... Uh, and once again, it can be a slippery slope. That can just lead to um, the way that we're talking to other people or, uh, or you know, taking actions based on, like, you know, we, we can have a conversation before you know it, we're on the email, sending emails out about, about the situation. And so slandering, slandering others can be... The Buddha, the Buddha taught this is, like, one of the most serious... Uh, serious moral transgressions because it can lead to so much harm in the world. And um, 
I don't think it's necessarily about lying. It's not that. We can be saying something that is fairly, has some truth to it, but it can really, really cause harm. And then abstaining from harsh speech. Well, you know, we can say things that are in jest, uh, that we think are funny. I had a, a good friend and she was such a joker and she could be sarcastic and she was one of those people who just right off the mark could say something in return. You know, I, kind of, I kind of admired that. You know, She just had a quick tongue. She was very intelligent. And she could say some very cutting things. And yet, um, and she's, she would say, oh, I just crack my own self up. You know, I'm so funny. And so what is that about? She cracked her own self up. She, there was something she got from that, from, um, from being so funny and cutting and the quick comeback. But, um, but it could be really hurtful at times if you were the object of her, her cracking her own self up. Then, um, then, you know, it could it could really hurt. And she somehow she somehow got a good feeling from speaking in that way. And then, if others, of course, join in, sort of, sort of say, "Yeah, that's okay," by laughing. Um, so, so that can be very harsh speech. It's 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 in a way, it's causing harm. It's at someone else's expense. And and sarcasm. I used to be pretty sarcastic. I really purposely don't do it anymore. Not that it doesn't happen at times, but, but you know, it's, it's just coming out, just coming out with the words just like that without even thinking, losing myself and thinking it's okay to say something of that nature to another person. Uh, as a teacher of young children, I really, uh, I really valued this practice so greatly because, um, Because just think of like, as you know, p- teachers or parents, how just a, a slightly sharp word or something just a little bit unkind, how, um, how much that can hurt. I, I love this. This is a book called Moon and a, Do- a Dewdrop, and it's the writings of Zen Master Dogen. Most of you familiar? Uh, Zen Master Dogen is... Um, was a Zen master from, from the 1200s, and he is, uh, in a way, like the founder of the whole Z- Soto Zen tradition. Um, but in the Zen tradition, uh, the path is the path of the Bodhisattva, and the Bodhisattva um, is one who um, has a great deal of wakefulness, and yet, uh, yet lives in the world to help all beings wake up, just tirelessly works to help all beings wake up as the teachings go. And so this is from a piece called the Bodhisattva's Four Methods of of Guidance. The Bodhisattva's Four Methods of Guidance. And one of the uh, methods is kind speech. And uh, it says, kind speech means that when you see sentient beings... You arouse the mind of compassion, offer words of loving care. It is contrary to cruel or violent speech. In the secular world, there is the custom of asking after someone's health. In Buddhism, there is the phrase, please treasure yourself, and this respectful address to seniors 
may I ask how you are? This is um, the part I really love right here, this line. It is kind speech to speak to sentient beings as you would to a baby. I think that's beautiful because um, it's not like we might, we, we need to take care of a baby and there's times that we need to be firm and we need to use discipline in our speech and to say no. But um, to, a, to a baby that we, you know, we, uh, almost everybody thinks all babies are cute and wonderful and our voice just takes on a certain soft quality and we're very present and mindful, and we want to be um, kind and gentle. And just imagine using that kind of speech to everybody. And of course, I fall short. Um, I'm sure everybody here does fall short, but I love that as an aspiration, really, to, um, to try. Sometimes I hear try isn't such a, uh, such a good word in Buddhism, but I think... I think trying is just fine, you know. I try to um, aspire to um, to speak kindly. And one of the things I love so much um, from my practice is when I was teaching children is how it brought me um, to be so much more present with with kids. And really, there was nothing more I needed than just to be fully there with them and, and meet them and see them and and stop and say, what is needed? What do they need to hear from me now? Or, um, it, you know, it's, it's, it was really one of the most valuable things um, for me in my practice to be able to give that to children. So the last one in here is uh, abstaining from idle chatter. And even Bhikkhu Bodhi says that, uh, well, as, as monastics, as monks, that really means that uh, um, basically they're talking about the, the Dhamma, the teachings, most all the time, and being mindful and, and engaging in speech just in that very mindful way, um, uh, not... Um, there's, of course, no gossip and or aspiration not to gossip, but really keeping keeping the the the, the speech in regards to um, um, the Dhamma, the teachings. And he says that those of us who are not monastics, um, the laity, of course, need to open up their speech a little bit more. And there's times that um, we may um, there's times that we may need to. Um, you know, have affectionate speech or lighthearted speech uh, with our family, with our friends, and um, engage in social conversation. Uh, but he says still, just be aware of that. Uh, uh, in idle chatter, that how we can get caught up and we can get lost in gossiping. And, um, and even when, when we use the computer, how we can spend so much time on emails and just, just really... St- really lose ourselves, forget, forget ourselves. Um, so it's a fine, it's a fine and interesting uh, balance. It can get very subtle. And I think what the beautiful thing about this practice is uh, in this coming back to repeatedly in meditation, just coming back to here, coming back to our breath and to our body, it's such a good grounding place 
uh, a good reference point to um, see when we go away and when we get lost and when we get caught up elsewhere and, and um, the world gets kind of foggy and, um, and it's interesting to practice because still why speech? I go away all the time and um, and I see myself do it I see myself do it I, uh, I can get in a conversation and just feel the fuel the energy coming up and before you know it the words are out of my mouth and like why did I do that you know what is that about why do I do that and um, I think it's really important to see it and to be really clear about it and yet give myself a lot of space to, um, to say, oh yeah, you know, this is part of being human. This is what humans do. Uh, I've used this type of speech, these tools, this, this way to be in the world um, it arose out of conditions. It arose, it arose out of reasons in my life. And um, here they are. Here it is again. And uh, to be aware of that, to be aware of, um, like, offer myself some kindness, practice some inner wise speech. Kathy, this is, this is the way it is. I did it again. Oh, God, you know. I hope I don't think about it too much at night before I try to go to sleep. But... Um, but um, it's, really, it's really interesting to see that, to see myself go in that direction yet again. And, um, and I'm also, I can also say that, uh, that it's a lot better. I don't do it. I don't do it as much. It's okay. I trust. I actually trust in the moment uh, of silence, of just being here and not having to even though I might, I might think the thought, I might feel the energy, I trust that I can be fully who I am without pulling that Kathy out, without that Kathy that needs to say that arise. I can trust in the unfolding of not knowing, actually, of not knowing, and I don't have to bring in me, that, that me, again. It generally works out pretty well, actually. You know? It generally works out pretty well. And there's enough space to maybe, to maybe have a little wisdom come in and, oh, okay, what is the right thing to say? What is there, is there any right thing to say? I, I heard there's a teaching, um, I want to say it's a, tra- a traditional Zen teaching, but I heard it from a, um, a Zen teacher in a book he wrote. And uh, he said... Um, about wise speech, that I think it's two-thirds of wise speech is not saying anything. (laughs) I thought that was great. You know, not saying anything. And... uh, and we talk about the... I've talked just a little bit about... about the... the precepts. Actually, I haven't, just wise speech, but but it is one of the... the the five precepts that... um, that are part of the, the lay practice. 
and uh, in the Theravadan, in the Theravadan teachings, and in the the Mahayana teachings, which Zen is a part of, uh, in the Bodhisattva precepts, there's 16 precepts, and I really love it a lot because uh, because some of the the additional precepts look very specifically at wise speech, and it really. Um, it really connects with the Buddhist teachings, which I took out of the Eightfold Path. But, uh, but from a sutta, the, um, from the Buddha, he talks about the unwholesome. And he says, And what, friends, is the unwholesome? What is the root of the unwholesome? Uh, and he says, Killing living beings is unwholesome. Taking what is not given is unwholesome. Misconduct in sensual pleasures is unwholesome. False speech is unwholesome. Malicious speech is unwholesome. Harsh speech is unwholesome. Gossip is unwholesome. Covetness is unwholesome. Ill will is unwholesome. Wrong view is unwholesome. And this is all the unwholesome, which uh, Bhikkhu Bhikkhu Bodhi addresses the false speech, um, the, the wise speech, those different areas that the Buddha talked about here, the false speech, the malicious speech, that's for the um that's for the um the one slandering is the malicious speech and then the, the harsh speech and the gossip so the buddha actually touches on all of those in in over and over in many of his teachings as the un, in the teachings on the wholesome and the unwholesome and um and for the 16 bodhisattva precepts um i really love it cuz because they, they go through the first five precepts of not killing, not taking that which is not given, um, not misusing sexuality, um, uh, cultivating, as a follower of the way, does not lie, but rather cultivates and encourages truthful communication. This is one translation of the Bodhisattva precepts. A follower of the way does not intoxicate self or others, but rather cultivates and encourages clarity. Then he goes into some more. These precepts go into more about the wise speech. A follower of the way does not slander, but rather cultivate and encourages respectful speech. A follower of the way neither extols self nor demeans others, but rather cultivates awareness of the interdependent nature of self. Um, so that's another way of... of of, of putting it, a follower of the way neither extols self nor demeans others. So in speech, and, and in, in, in another translation, do not praise self or blame others. So really goes into um, the way that um, we can use speech harmfully or we can use it in a helpful way. It's a work in progress. You know, it really is. Um, and that's fine. That's actually fine. I, um, I'm wondering, you know, I, I feel like I've talked enough. <laughs> and uh, I would love to hear from any of you who has some thoughts about this, about where they're at. Where, where are you at in your practice with speech? Or if you have any questions. Please use the mic, if you don't mind. My name is Kathy. Hi, Kathy. I think you answered the question as to why I'm here. 
My right up there. Ah, <laughs> great. Thank you. I'm um, presently responsible for the care of my 93-year-old mother, uh, who, in her narcissistic world, has created a lot of trauma for my siblings and myself. And only yesterday, I told my husband I need to stop talking about her in the manner in which I do, because she tells a lot of lies and um, makes up stories that confuse me sometimes. And so hearing the word wise speech helps me understand I need to stop telling other people because when I do their comment back to me doesn't validate the feeling that and the reason behind why I'm I'm seeking to understand why I react the way I do. And only the other day, I, I talked about the story my mother had told, which is so far-fetched. And the response back to me was, let her have her dreams. And I knew then that I needed to stop doing that, talking about it. We've used this, this last two years uh, as a form of healing ourselves from having been raised in such a narcissistic environment. And to our amazement, we are trying to figure out how we survived. So to come face to face with the reality that I now am involved in, I have done a lot of inner searching and a lot of realization about myself and letting go and having witnessed my own sense of not being worthy based on how I reacted to the way I was raised was a tremendous revelation and it freed my soul. And this was only like two weeks ago. So I'm here and you're answering the exact question that I had last night or at 4 o'clock this morning when I awoke and heard the words, there's a preacher in you trying to get out. And uh, I'm very grateful. So thank you, Kathy. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm not looking for an answer. No, I... I, Because you've already given me direction and my friend on Saturday night told me about this place (laughs) my friend told me about this place on Saturday night at a party and I started to cry and I said do you know how long I've been looking for something like this in this area so it's like two realizations have been realized for me and and um, maybe your first time here but for me it was just phenomenal hmm Thank you. I'm I'm really I'm really glad you're here. We walked down the street together, and Kathy told me it was her first time. And I said, "Well, it's my first time teaching this class." Um, and I know you're not asking a question. Um, and I I just had a thought of uh, how um, our our family our closest family is so often they're just the very hardest yes. to um, to practice wise speech 
you know, to use a phrase, to, to, um, to uh, we can lose ourselves so easily because, uh, because of that direct um, relationship for as many years as it is. And there's so much intertwining in, in family. And um, I, uh, I notice in my own family, and I, um, and I see in others that in um, situations such as um, parents getting older and needing care, births, weddings, deaths, that our whole life, so my whole life and everyone else's there, whole life comes into play. Like our whole history shows up. And, uh, and so I appreciate your sharing uh, what you've learned from that, how you, you're learning. Thank you. I really appreciate that. So um, I have a friend, and I was discussing um, right wise speech with her, and she brought up a point that I'm interested in hearing your response to, that oftentimes we gossip, Mm -hmm. let's just call it that, Um, when we're trying to process information, we're trying to check and see if our reality is what everybody else thinks or maybe get a different perspective, you know, why do you think this person acted this way or acts this way? And, and she felt like there was some actual um, benefit to discussing things that might be bothering you about other people because then you could get a different perspective. You might, um, it might bring some compassion to you. For example, if someone can point out maybe what you weren't seeing was bothering that person. So anyway... Um, I'd just be interested in hearing your response to that argument in favor of discussing things. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> it's pretty, it's, it'd be pretty hard not to discuss things, to take a vow of silence. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's so interesting to, um, I don't know how many of you have done, like, residential retreats or periods of silence even for a day, but, but it's always interesting to do that, and of course, you know, we're looking at how we talk to ourselves on retreat, but, um, but it's always interesting to come off retreat and see when we s- slip into, um, when we start practicing speech, how easy it is to slip into these areas, you know, of wise or unwise speech, and, um, and it, can be, it can be painful, um, but, but yet we aren't silent, you know, we talk. And so, so this is, I, I, I just talked about trying, um, and uh, how do we navigate the world of speech in this case? And we, we try to, um, um, we try to practice harmonious speech, um, speech that is aligned with the Buddhist teachings in this case. Um, we're here at a Buddhist center. And, um, and we're not perfect, and um, I was talking to a friend yes, yesterday. I stayed in Burlingame last night, and uh, she and I were taking a walk, and I was telling her about talking about this today. And, um, and so we're talking and talking, and cars are going by, and, uh, um, and we just kept laughing how 
we veered off the path so many times in our, in our speech. And, and so, th- so there's a way that it can be held very lightly, too. It's important to hold it lightly and to see that, oh, we're learning here. This is about learning about speech. And, um, uh, and it's, we're not going to be perfect. And... Um, In navigating that, um, how can we, how can we, work out a situation? How can we um, bring some light to a situation, and and learn from it? And how can we explore that? So, so, of course, it's of course it's possible and and, and important and necessary to do that, and. Uh, So if that overriding intention is there to bring light, to bring harmony, to, um, to be kind, um, it's, all, it's all included, you know, the ways that, uh, my, that, I, that I'm practicing that with my friend, but then something, you know, sarcastic slips in. Uh, or or a or a judgment of some or a judgment of um, let's say the person or the situation. Fifty million times a day—that's sort of my number I use for how many times I veer off the path a day. You know, fifty million times a day. Um, it's really it's 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 hard not to, but the intention is to come back to here um, to to the for the mindfulness. You know, I began talking a little bit about what takes me away from mindfulness and and to see that happen with the mindfulness and um, and to to see as deeply as possible and to feel the pain of um, allowing myself to be carried away so 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 that so the less skillful remark can happen, um, but are we returning to, oh, this is our intention, is to discuss this situation, or maybe I'm getting a little angry right now, or I'm getting a little frustrated, and so you know, I'm feeling like something else is going to slip out. Maybe it slips out. Um, or maybe, maybe I'm, really, I'm trying to say something totally kind, but it just, it's not taken that way. Um, you do the best you can, you know. I, I do the best I can in that. Um, it takes time. It might take. Uh, it might take um, uh, coming back to it. I read something that um, from Thich Nhat Hanh. And <laughs> I always thought, wow, that's amazing if he can do this. But 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 I think it's possible. I I, I think I've done it. You know, the way he puts it is um, when he gets into a like a heated discussion, he'll say, um, you know, I, I can't, I must take myself away now because I, I want to practice, um, you know, speech that is kind and, um, and that is helpful, and, and so I need to stop now. And, you know, some, he says it more beautifully, but, but essentially something like that, you know, and, and um, 
Does that answer your question a little bit? Yes, it does. And um, I'm looking forward to talking to my friend because I think the answer is, as you were talking, um, is intention. Mm-hmm. What is your intention to discuss this? Is it because you want to find a solution, because you want to create harmony? Then that's, that's good. Mm-hmm. But um, if it's just, as you said, to kind of be divisive or... Slander. Slander, yeah, then no, then you shouldn't discuss that. So thank you. That does answer my question. Oh, good, yeah. So it's, it's funny how mixed we can be. Uh, I've heard <laughs> Sylvia Borstein uh, on a talk one time said um, in her family, you know, and she said, she, she said uh, that this is her grandmother practices a lot and other family members should hear it from as well as uh, when they were talking about somebody another family member they would they would preface when they wanted to say something that was not skillful or gossip or something they might preface it with um you know uncle jack bless his heart <laughs> or or my brother my brother paul may he live forever <laughs> and then whoop go in with the zinger you know and 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 it's funny how we can do that and people we care about and you know it's it happens and it it's my commitment to to look at that really anyone else Um, I guess this is a comment, not a question. Um, and some of what you said earlier, when you mentioned the me's and so forth, um, I think you may have said the same thing in a, in a different way. Um, so speech um, somehow evokes all these constructed selves uh, uh, and I, I sometimes hear myself saying things and say, um, how could I have said that? Or why did I say that? Or whatever. And, and um, it's because there's different personalities that um, are, it's how they come to life. And, and speaking with people socially, uh, people you know well or people I don't know well, evokes those different selves. Um, They're all contradictory. (laughs) Yeah, they can be. They can be contradictory. It's funny. uh, I notice, and in practice, uh, the practice of, of, of meditation and mindfulness really, really has helped with this. But I notice uh, in engaging in conversation, um, and let's say you're in a social situation where you're talking to really close, dear friends you've known forever, and then someone you just met, and uh, you can feel physically, it's a physical feeling, you can feel that self begin to form, yes? And, uh, and it's a different self that's forming when I'm talking to a dear friend or someone I just met. 
uh, and just and 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 I and I can laugh at myself in a way of of that of how that feels and and the difference in my voice and um, and ma- and, man- and mannerisms and. It's an interesting exploration, you know. I don't, I don't, I, I don't have, because I see that, and I, and I, I have to, I have to be aware of, like, a not to be false with it, do you know? A not to be false and, um, and still remain myself and come back to me. Uh, I don't, I, I don't have, um, you know, I don't have any sort of, finite thing to say about that but but as you say this construction of self that comes up uh in in speech and that's like a whole nother topic that that form that forming of self but um but it happens like you know like that and uh and it arises out of conditions um in our lives that um go way back to before we can even remember our families, you know, pre-verbal. And um, so this, in this practice, of one of the beautiful things is we sort of unpack that um, and we see that more. We see the strands and the layers of that. And so even so, like when, this, when the speech comes, um, with the practice of being in our bodies, we can, we can feel that begin, that self begin. And certainly not all, not not always stop unskillful speech, harmful speech, not wise speech, but it gets better. Um, but it is, it's that, what does that feel like, that, that, um, that becoming this me, or this me, or this me, this Kathy, this Kathy, because, because it, it's appropriate that I, when, I, when I work with young children, I am... Um, there's parts of myself that I bring into play um, which are necessary and helpful. Uh, you know? Like when I sit and I do circle time and I sing songs, you know, I, if I started breaking into songs right here, you guys probably wouldn't, I don't know, some of you might like it. But circle songs, and I kind of like that. I feel, I love doing those circle songs with the kids. And it's, it's a me, you know? And I'm touching into a part of myself. And... Um, um, so it's appropriate that those different me's come up, but it's all really just one me, and 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 I can st- I can stay centered with myself with this with Kathy, and use those me's in an appropriate way that's helpful in the situation, rather than wow take off somewhere um, that can be. I can go into areas that are needless, even if it's just idle chatter. Yeah, idle chatter. But just like that, boy, idle chatter can turn into slanderous chatter. And, um, and so a world is formed. So the world is formed. And so I've done it again, and I'm more prone to do it again next time. It's really something. Hi, do you want to... I think we're recording, are we not, Deanna? So this is helps with that. Okay. Thank you. Am I using it appropriately? Yeah. Great. 
I just wanted to, to uh, comment that when we are with someone who we really love, we many times don't say anything. Mm. You know, the, and, mm -hmm. and I contrast that with uh, our country uh, going through this political process. And many, many people that I hear interviewed that say they are so sick of it. They're so sick of the negativity of the tearing down of somebody. And they, uh, they can hardly get away from it because it's, you read it, you hear it, you put on the television, then you want to sort of know what's going on and then you get pulled into it. And it's a very timely talk. I thank you for it. Oh, <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you. Um, yeah, what's that all about? You know, this, this game, huh? This, this crazy game of, of uh, because, you know, after it's all over, then they'll totally change their opinions. But, yeah, thank you. It's true. And, and, and it's beautiful, the ease of being with someone who we are so truly, can be so truly intimate with that we don't, I love that, you know, that, that easeful feeling. And, and, you know, that's another thing. I, I really believe that with practice that we can have that ease with in almost any situation and with anybody, you know, feel that ease that um, it's the, a sure ground of um, what felt shaky in the past, like a, a me had to arise, a Kathy had to arise in a situation um, but to actually feel intimate with everyone. Um, so intimate that nothing needs to be said unless it's helpful or kind or just playing that dance of life. Gosh, I think that, you know, I think that we're out of time almost. Um, I know. That was fun. Thank you. Um, I'm back next week, in case anyone wants to come. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't know, I, I, I might look at some of these other precepts, some of these other, um, yeah, these precepts, we'll say. I'm not sure which ones, but I kind of like the one uh, not har about not harboring ill will in the Bodhisattva precepts, so maybe I'll talk a little bit about that. All right. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Take good care.